Welcome back to World Changers. Today we're going to be talking about, according to Time Magazine, the eighth most significant figure in history, also known as the first teacher or the philosopher. Today we're talking about the Greek philosopher Aristotle. So Aristotle was born in 384 BC, and he made significant contributions to almost every aspect of human knowledge, from logic to biology to ethics to aesthetics. He, he kind of dabbled in everything. But he was born in 384 BC in a small town on the north coast of Greece called Stagira. That used to be a seaport. His father, uh, Nicomachus, was a physician to the Macedonian king and actually died when he was really young. Aristotle was uh, pretty young when his dad died. We don't know a lot about his mother, Phaestes, but she's believed to have died as well when he was really young. So he was kind of left as an he was left as an orphan, and his brother-in-law, uh, who had married his his older sister, kind of took care of him until he turned seventeen. And at seventeen, he was sent off to Athens to pursue higher education. At the time, Athens was considered the academic center of the universe. Right, so we had had uh, Socrates who really kind of founded this movement and followed by Plato, who started his school, the academy. And so Athens was just kind of where, you know, the genesis of all of these great thinkers and thoughts. And so he, so Aristotle went out there to study under Plato. And he actually did study under him for two decades, all the way until Plato died um, in about 347 B.C., so Plato's dead, and Aristotle thought that he was going to be able to take over the academy because over the past 20 years, Aristotle had become his star student. Aristotle was just very gifted. Because Aristotle had disagreements with Plato on some of his philosophical ideas, Aristotle did not inherit the position of director for the academy, as many people thought that he was going to. So he wanted to kind of take over the school, Plato dies, and he leaves it to his nephew. And so Aristotle's kind of bummed out about this, so he kind of bounces. He ends up going to a place called Mycia, uh, where one of his friends invites him to you know, be in court, and he's there for three years. And that's where he met and married his wife, his first wife, Py Pythias. And together they had a daughter, who they also named Pythias. A couple years later... Um, 338 BC, Aristotle went to Macedonia and he started to tutor the son of King Philip II, who was named Alexander. He was 13 years old. And the world knows him as Alexander the Great. So pretty cool. It's always cool when, you know, multiple uh, people on this list are contemporaries and kind of cross each other's paths. I don't know if anyone, any two people out of all the people we've done so far, have, had, have ever had a more intimate interaction than Aristotle and Alexander the Great. These are two of the top ten greatest people of all time who worked together, and, and Aristotle just taught him. And as eventually Alexander the Great became, you know, became the great, became a king of Macedonia, and then ended up taking over the known world as we know it, 
And so Aristotle kind of had a really powerful friend. And he asked Arist- he asked Alexander for permission to start his own school in a- Athens, right? Because remember, he kind of left the academy a little bit bitter. They didn't let him be in charge. And so he was like, I'm out. So he started his own school outside of Athens because he couldn't actually own property because he was, quote, an alien. But he called it the Lyceum. And on and off, Aristotle spent pretty much the rest of his life working as a teacher and a researcher and a writer in Lyceum and all the way up until Alexander the Great dies. And kind of fun fact, Lyceum was, like I said, it was outside um, the city and it used to be a former wrestling school. Kind of cool to think that even, you know, 25, 2300 years ago, people were learning how to wrestle. Kind of fun. So... Um, also the same year that he opened up the Lyceum, his wife dies. And pretty soon after he actually, you know, starts another romance with this woman named Herpulus. And she actually came from his hometown. A lot of people think that she was actually his slave and they assume that he freed her and married her. We don't really know, but she bore him some children, including one son named Nicomachus named after Aristotle's father, and also named after one of his greatest works, Nicomachus Ethics. But, um, yeah, so he starts his school, his wife dies, he gets a new wife, and his school is really unorthodox, right? So it's not like sitting in a classroom with at these desks. He really liked to walk around and be around plants and trees and the outdoors and he would do this while teaching his students, so they would follow him. So everyone was kind of walking around. His students got these nicknames called the peripatetics, meaning people who travel about. So people at the Lyceum, they kind of like roamed and walked around. It was a lot less, it was a lot more casual than the academy was. And his members, they researched subjects ranging from science, math, philosophy, politics, and everything in between. So... They just studied, it's kind of a cool idea, they just studied everything, even art. And they were required to write their findings down. And by doing this, they ended up creating this massive collection, which by a lot of ancient accounts was credited as one of the first great libraries. So, kind of cool, kind of a fun school, just walking around in the forest, you know, picking up some dirt and analyzing it and talking about it. And that's one of the... Aristotle's main focus was biology, but we'll kind of go into that in a second. So 323 BC, Alexander the Great dies, and the government just kind of goes crazy, right? Because Alexander the Great took over the known world in a really short period of time and never really got to establish it, kind of get it, dig its roots in and make it safe and sturdy. So everything just, the pro-Macedonian government's overthrown, and there's all these people that are mad, and anyways, Aristotle's charged with piety for his association with uh, Macedonia and Alexander the Great and all that stuff. So instead of being prosecuted and executed, he bounces. Pretty, uh, I guess that's a pretty good idea. And he fled to, I can't say this, Chalkis on the island of Euboea. So he would, he kind of left, went to this island, and he was only there for about a year before he died. So he ended up having some sort of disease of the digestive organs. But 322 BC, Aristotle dies. And that's a quick summary of his life. Now we're going to kind of jump in. He's one of these unique people where we want to analyze his philosophy and works a little bit more. So let's kind of go into that right now. 
So like we said, Aristotle differed from Plato. And because of these disagreements, Aristotle didn't get to take over the academy. Plato believed in something called the theory of forms, which it's it says that there's an idealized essence of an object that's existing apart from that object. The easiest way to think about it is like a soul, right? So I'm a human being, but I also believe there's this other part of me called a soul that, that lives with me. And Aristotle did not believe that. He thought that the essence of an object existed within the thing itself. So thereby he rejected the idea of a soul. Uh, he believed that human consciousness resided completely with the physical form. So that was kind of one of the big ways that he started separating from Plato. Aristotle had a lot of amazing discoveries and ideas that have lasted, you know, the test of time. But he also had some things that didn't last. Like he believed that everything was made up of five elements, earth, fire, air, water, and ether. He also believed that when trying to determine uh, the nature of reality, the only place to begin was with basic axioms. One of these was the principle of non-contradiction, which states that a substance cannot have a quality and not have the quality at the same time. Which sounds pretty uh, intuitive, common sense. You know, it, it can't have a quality and not have the quality. But he, he liked to kind of establish these axioms before and it would kind of lead you towards the truth. His ethics didn't deviate that much from Plato. Um, he believed that agent-centered ethics in which the moral agent determines the right moral action, action, so free agency, you get to choose. He also thought that the goal of human beings in their search of happiness was to reach eodaimonia, or the state of flourishing. His big virtues or characteristics were temperance, justice, fortitude, courage, liberality, magnificence, and magnanimity. Uh, so kind of some dense stuff. I mean, some people might find this interesting. I think it's pretty cool. Um, he's also the follower of uh, zoology. He wrote this book called The History of Animals. So he was the first person to classify animals. So he used traits that were similar uh, with certain groups. For example, oh, these animals have blood. These animals don't have blood. Okay, there's a separation of animals. Oh, these animals live in this habitat, these live in water, these live on land, case separation. And he kind of made uh, this tree and made it into a hierarchy. And he believed that all living things could be grouped into this hierarchy based on their position from lowest to highest, and he placed human species at the highest strata in this hierarchy. So, uh, yeah, pretty cool. A lot of the things that he did with biology as far as classifying and naming um, you know, different uh, animals and species and, and making these kind of kingdoms have lasted, you know, thousands of years. He also uh, was the first person to write a book that dealt with the specifics of psychology. So really cool. I mean, we're kind of used to psychology, but it's a pretty new science even for today. And 2,000 years ago, he was kind of diving into it. He also was really into meteorology, looking at the planets. Once again, he didn't get everything right, but he did uh, a lot of the things that he thought of really helped people, you know, five, eight, a thousand years later kind of think about what was what what needs to be done. For example, the stars, you know, he talked about how they had these specific rules that they had to follow. 
and the rules that he said were the that they had to follow were not true but it got people thinking maybe there are rules that they do have to follow maybe his rules were not the right ones but maybe there are a set of rules which kind of led to modern physics as we know it but yeah he that's pretty much a a really superficial summary of his beliefs and once again he kind of dabbled in everything oh another big thing was uh anatomy he really loved kind of diving in and like we mentioned in his summary of his life he lived by a seaport for multiple times during his life and he would uh, you know start classifying marine biology but he would cut them open and look at their insides and and kind of uh, find patterns and similarities and write all of this down which was just huge for people in the future that kind of refound his works and and you know he really uh, the the quote from uh, Isaac Newton that everything I've discovered, you know, I've been standing on the shoulders of giants. Aristotle is one of those giants that really just helped science take huge leaps and bounds. Now let's jump into and talk about some of his best quotes. He's got a lot of quotes. Excellence is never an accident. It is always the result of high intention, sincere effort. The intelligent execution, it represents the wise choice of many alternatives. Choice, not chance, determines your destiny. I love it so much. I think it's really cool. Sometimes we think that people just have stuff uh, dropped into their lap, you know, but he says, no, it's always, it's never an accident. It's always uh, someone making a a long series of hard choices to get there. A friend to all is a friend to none don't exactly understand this one i mean i guess if you're a friend to everyone then you can't keep any good secrets or i don't know maybe a friendship has to be private or limited or i don't know it's an interesting one a friend at all is a friend to none all human beings by nature desire to know at his best man is the noblest of all animals Separated from law and justice, he is the worst, which I think is interesting. As as we just learned, he created the hierarchy of the animal kingdom and put humans at the top. And then he says this quote that we're the best, but if we take away law and justice, we're the worst. Character may also be called the most affected means of persuasion. I think it's really cool, you know, in this day of age, we're always trying to persuade people to do different things, and uh, the most effective means of persuasion is character. Criticism is something we can avoid easily by saying nothing, doing nothing, and being nothing. So pretty much you should expect criticism coming your way, especially if you're trying to do great things. But if you want to avoid it, just don't do anything, but that's kind of cowardly. Education is an ornament in prosperity and a refuge in adversity. Really cool. It is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. Once again, really like this quote. Makes me think of the political turmoil in the United States right now and how there's so much divisiveness and people just can't agree. But I think it's cool that if you're an edge, if you're an edge, if you have an educated mind, you can entertain a thought without accepting it. The educated differ from the uneducated as much as the living differ from the dead. 
pretty hardcore. Last one. I count him braver who overcomes his desires than him who conquers his enemies. For the hardest victory is over self. Pretty cool. Interesting, too, thinking about him uh, tutoring Alexander the Great and how Alexander the Great conquered all of his enemies. But he says, I count him braver who overcomes his desires than him who conquers his enemies. Pretty cool. All right, okay, let's just jump into uh, some cool stories. In the Lyceum, Aristotle probably composed more than 200 works, but only 31 of those works survive today. And of those works, a lot of people actually believe they were meant to be lecture notes rather than actual literature. And apparently his lost writings were of much better quality. The Roman philosopher Cicero said that, quote, if Plato's prose was silver, Aristotle's was a flowing river of gold. Kind of bummer that we don't have them, but kind of cool quote. Aristotle's name roughly translates to mean the best purpose. Kind of cool. Dante Alighieri, um, the creator of the masterpiece Divine Comedy, has Aristotle in his book and calls him the master. While he was alive as well, Aristotle was known as the man who knew everything. And as we mentioned, after Alexander the Great died, he fled because he was worried he was going to get executed, as was you know, Socrates. And obviously, uh, Aristotle knew very well that Socrates was also killed by the Athenians. And apparently, Aristotle said, quote, I will not allow the Athenians to sin twice against philosophy. He wrote about uh, metaphysics, aesthetics, ethics, theology, government, politics, economics, psychology, and rhetoric. He studied physics, astronomy, geography, geology, meteorology, anatomy, embryology, and zoology. He was also interested in literature, poetry, education, and foreign customs. So pretty much like that quote above, he knew everything. A little controversial, Aristotle had seen women as lesser than men, lacking the capability of making proper logical decisions. Because of that, he argued that there should be a kind of, quote, political rule of husbands over wives. As a philosophical authority that Aristotle was, his misogynistic arguments were used throughout history to limit the rights of women. Kind of nuts. Although Aristotle did say that society won't be happy unless women were happy as well as men. Kind of crazy, though. We mentioned that Aristotle had a son um, named Nicomachus, and he actually died. His son died when he was pretty young in battle, and Aristotle named his most famous work on ethics, the Nicomachean Ethics, um, after his son. So kind of cool. We already talked about how he tutored Alexander the Great. Well, Alexander the Great went and took over the world, and while he was out there taking over the world, he would actually send various specimens and interesting finds to Aristotle to keep uh, for him to research and as trophies, which is kind of fun. Aristotle was also the first philosopher to use empiricism, meaning that he believed that knowledge can only come from the sensory experience of one's perception, so kind of you know the five senses. Also, the 
Oh, because because he uh, because he was the first person to use you know uh, empiricism, which is what we call today kind of science scientific method. The Encyclopedia Britannica named Aristotle the first genuine scientist in history, to whom every scientist is in debt. Pretty cool. All right, let's just close up real quick and talk about why he's on this list. It's pretty obvious why he's on this list. Uh, all of the contributions he made to science and all the different fields of science is outstanding. The fact that he was over 2,000 years ago and that people still use his name on a regular basis and all of the people that he's inspired, all of the creations, inventions, discoveries, and ideas that he passed on that have either survived completely intact today or inspired other ideas on top of that. Some people believe he's the most influential person of all time, and others believe he's the most intelligent person of all time. And of course, these are all subjective. But I think it's without a doubt that Aristotle is one of the greatest people who have ever lived. It's been more than, you know, 2,300 years since the last day of Aristotelian era in ancient Greece. Yet the research and work of Aristotle remain as influential in this time and age. That's all we got for today. Thank you for listening to World Changers. Catch us next week.